Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Howdy neighbors, Ron Hayes with you once again on our journey along the road to rural prosperity. Today's route takes us to the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture as we spend time with Blaine Arthur, Oklahoma's first female to serve as Secretary of Agriculture. In January of this year, Secretary Arthur was sworn in by Governor Kevin Stitt. She acts as Governor Stitt's Chief Advisor on Policy Development and Implementation related to agriculture, food and forestry, and holds the titles of Oklahoma Commissioner of Agriculture and the President of the Oklahoma State Board of Agriculture. Today's journey, being powered by Public Service Company of Oklahoma. They provide electricity service to more than a half million customers across Oklahoma. They're committed to increase their reliance on natural gas and renewable energy like wind. Because when natural gas and wind work together, all of Oklahoma benefits. Our conversation with Secretary Blaine Arthur begins in just a few moments. For over 100 years, Public Service Company of Oklahoma has invested in the prosperity of rural Oklahoma. As PSO increases our reliance on natural gas and renewable energy like wind, we'll continue to create jobs and increase revenues for schools and rural communities across the state. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, Call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit. Howdy neighbors and welcome back to another edition of the Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes and we're very happy to be at the Oklahoma Secretary of Agriculture's offices, the Department of Agriculture in Oklahoma City, the Capitol Complex. We have Blaine Arthur with us today. Blaine, thank you for spending a few minutes with us. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Ron. I'm excited to be on the show. Now, let's talk a little bit about, before we get into some of the Department of Ag stuff, the ODAF stuff, uh, let's talk a little bit about your your journey to this office. You've, you were actually, of course, at one time at the Department of Agriculture, left for a season, and now back again. But, but you know, you've, you've got really a interesting background as far as how you've uh, kind of got to this particular position. Tell me about that. It's certainly a unique path to get here to this position. Originally came to the department uh, to work for Secretary Terry Peach in 2008 and had a lot of opportunities there to learn about the ag groups and do some policy work and uh, get also very familiar with the agency, which was very helpful. And uh, when Governor Fallon was elected and Secretary Jim Reese was appointed to the position, Jim was nice enough to let me stay, which I appreciated, and worked for Jim for several years, did a lot of our legislative work across the street at the state capitol, and certainly got to learn a lot more about all of the divisions here at the agency, how we interact uh, with our federal counterparts at USDA and so learned a lot of those pieces. Uh, Certainly saw some of the political side of things, spending a Mm -hmm. lot of time uh, at the Capitol and then had a chance. My husband and I live just outside of Stillwater, so 
So I had the opportunity to go work at the 4-H Foundation, which is housed there on campus in Stillwater, and very much enjoyed that. And then had a call from the governor's office last fall to see if I was interested in taking this position and certainly was very appreciative. The ag groups were all uh, very supportive of me uh, moving into this position, which I appreciate very much. And they are great to work with. But it was, I think for me, a lot of help to have some familiarity with the agency, having worked for two commissioners previously to where you feel like you can kind of hit the ground running maybe a little bit more Mm -hmm. um, than if you had the significant learning curve of learning everything that goes on at the department. Because even though it's a small state agency, very diverse in the work that we do here at the department. And it's fascinating. You actually have worked on both sides of the political aisle as far as a secretary that was a Democrat uh, administration, one uh, Republican administration, actually twice now Republican. It is very unique kind of in the political world. I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. consider myself a political person, even though I've been very involved with folks who have been politicians or worked for politicians. But I think it's been very beneficial for me because I got a kind of ringside view of two totally different administrations and how they approached issues and how they handled different challenging situations. And so I think that's been very beneficial to me that I got to see kind of up close and personal how two different ways of approaching situations. And certainly for me, I'm always going to put our ag producers first and foremost as much as I can. So it was a great learning opportunity for me to see two different styles, two different approaches. And then certainly now I reference a lot what was done in previous administrations, and that has helped me to make decisions or guide things a certain way uh, based on my time spent here previously at the department. Now, you've got uh, going to do those growing up years. You had some real challenges within your family as well. I did. Raised here in Oklahoma, my mother was a veterinary medical officer who worked for USDA APHIS Veterinary Mm -hmm. Services. Her office was housed at the Murrah Building there in Oklahoma City. And unfortunately, uh, she was killed on April 19th. And that certainly significantly impacted us as kids and us as a family. The one thing I reference a lot to the ag community is the ag community was so incredibly supportive of us as a family. Uh, You know, even from the basics of bringing casseroles to your house like we do in Oklahoma, but also making sure that I have two siblings, uh, that my sisters and I had the opportunity to be involved in a variety of activities, Somebody was always there to give you a ride and kind of help mm-hmm. make sure to fill that gap a little bit for my dad as he was trying to run three kids three different directions <laughs> sometimes, depending on the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the ag community has been very kind to us, and certainly specifically here in Oklahoma, as we all were relatively young when that happened. And they've, that's been a great support system that we've kind of carried with us uh, through our personal and professional careers. Part of that uh, support system, of course, these uh, rural youth groups. 4-H and FFA? Oh, absolutely. Uh, 4-H and FFA, not only for myself, but both of my sisters, kind of those building blocks uh, for us to be successful in so many things that we chose to do, all mm-hmm. of those skills that we love to see uh, developed in youth, and that's the leadership. It might be public speaking, the responsibility, the hard work ethic. Uh, I think we hear a lot of businesses say that they will hire 4-H and FFA kids over anybody else because they know they bring those 
those attributes to the table and then they can train them to do what they need them to do for that particular job. And I credit a lot of my success to the things that I learned both in the 4-H and FFA program because I felt like I was maybe always just a little bit of a step ahead of some of my counterparts who didn't have that ag experience as I went to interview for jobs or entered the uh, career professional world. So I, I think that's the best thing that we can do for our kids is to have them involved in either the 4-H or FFA program. Before we get to your time with uh, Governor Stitlett, let's talk about 4-H Foundation. That You, you took on uh, that, that particular job, and I think you, you kind of, I know we're, we're stepping into a role where you there was a lot of work to do, a lot of challenges, but uh, things have really continued to blossom, it seems like, uh, for, the, uh, for the 4-H Foundation. Certainly uh, they have, and that was a great kind of turn in my career profession. Going, I'd worked in the private sector, I'd worked for state government, and then to go to a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a whole different ball of wax (laughs) as far as the challenges and nuances of that. Uh, But wonderful board to work for. Certainly appreciated the support of Oklahoma State University of the 4-H Foundation. Uh, But we really tried to add some progressive pieces to the work that the 4-H Foundation was doing, find some additional partners, and really kind of share that message of what 4-H does to maybe a more urban audience. Mm -hmm. A lot of folks peg the 4-H program and sometimes the FFA program is just a rural program and so we tried to find some different partners in other areas and I think had some good progress during my tenure there and I know they're certainly uh, continue to move up as things go on uh, with Milford Jenkins there at the 4-H Foundation so I think he's kind of taking great strides with his direction as well and that's very important to support all of our 4-H members here in Oklahoma. We're talking with uh, Blaine Arthur from uh, the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture what a little over about a year ago a little less than a year ago i guess actually you you got a call from uh, a politician that uh, who, who doesn't really think of himself as a politician of course he was uh, had just been elected as the governor of the state of oklahoma though the governor calls and says think about this job what tell tell walk us through that well, you know, you a, a really unique experience received, a, and I will, I tell a lot of folks I, I did not know the governor uh, previously, mm-hmm. and which is kind of unique as well in politics historically. I got a call from his staff to see if I would serve on his transition team, kind of representing the ag and rural interest. And a good friend, Monty Tucker uh, from Sweetwater, was on that group as well, and then had the chance to actually interview for the secretary of ag position. For me. I was just very humbled to even have the chance to interview, and I certainly shared that with the governor. I said, no matter who you decide to pick for this, you know, no matter what happens, I'll at least someday get to say, well, I interviewed for the job. I mean, it was I was I was very very humbled just uh, at this point in my life to have that opportunity, uh, and also in a good spot where I felt like I could really you know tell the governor and that interview committee things that were important to me from an ag perspective and kind of my thoughts, having been at the department before of opportunities that existed. Went through an interview process for that and was very fortunate to be selected. I can still vividly remember the governor just called, he called himself, you know, I I thought maybe staff would call, the governor called himself (laughs) and said, which is very much him. He is, a lot of times I say he's the least political politician that I know, which I certainly think is a compliment and said, let's go to work and let's make some good things happen for the state of Oklahoma and move us forward to be a top 10 state and now now my husband and I did visit quite a bit about Mm -hmm. it 
Again, I was in a great place at the 4-H Foundation, and I have two young kids. Knew that having worked for two secretaries of ag previously, knew the time commitments and how that kind of changes your daily routine, but was certainly very, very excited to have the chance to work for Governor Stitt, number one, and number two, was excited to hopefully bring um, some new ideas and enthusiasm and be able to represent the ag industry, which is one of the most important things to me personally. Of course, uh, your, your husband, the business that you all own is a, is an exciting business if you're interested in the, in the stock show business. <laughs> and uh, you've you kind of, you know, gone all over, all over the country uh, showing, uh, showing livestock, showing cattle especially. Uh, we have. We uh, raise cattle, specifically show cattle, mm-hmm. uh, for 4-H and FFA exhibitors. And our oldest uh, son shows quite a bit. And uh, we have had we have customers in uh, several states would have also had the chance to take our son to uh, show and compete in several different states and at the national level. And uh, number one, just a tremendous opportunity to have our kids and our family involved in that industry because we think there's no better place uh, for our kids to be and no better people for our children to be around than that group of folks, but also have have had some success, which makes a little more fun sometimes when you have that success. But um, just giving us a great view of ag other places as well, which I lean on uh, quite a bit in this position because I can pick up the phone and call somebody from Colorado or Indiana or Kentucky, you know, pick a state Mm -hmm. that that we know kind of on a personal level and say, you know, this is something we're kind of kicking around here in Oklahoma. Tell me about what you all do there or how would this work or does this make sense? So it's certainly Mm -hmm. beneficial to have other um, ag producers who have to make a living in agriculture to (laughs) talk to um, when we think about things that we're going to do from an Oklahoma perspective. We're talking with Blaine Arthur, the Secretary of Agriculture for the state of Oklahoma in the Governor Kevin Sitt administration, and we'll continue here on the Road to Rural Prosperity in just a moment. PSO provides electricity service to more than half a million customers across Oklahoma. Increasing reliance on natural gas and renewable energy is our future. Cleaner, more affordable energy to power our lives. A strong Oklahoma economy boosted by new jobs, increased revenues for rural communities and schools. Together, our energy is boundless. The Petroleum Alliance represents every segment of the oil and natural gas industry, speaking with one voice when advocating for the interest of its members, landowner partners, and employees. Our mission is to enhance Oklahoma's economy and every segment of the energy industry. Let's continue the journey on the road to rural prosperity, stories for rural Americans. Once again, here's host Ron Hayes. Welcome back to the Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. Thank you for joining us today, and and we're very happy to have along with us Blaine Arthur, our uh, first female Secretary of Agriculture for the state of Oklahoma. And and Blaine, you and I kind of joked a little bit uh, back uh, during that uh, confirmation period, and we'll get we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, you, you've got multiple hats that you have to wear in in this particular corner office, don't you? Uh, absolutely. It's you know I think someone had some great foresight at some point in time that whoever serves as the Secretary of Agriculture for Oklahoma also serves um, on the School Land Commission for the state, uh, has a seat on the Board of Equalization, and then also, aside from being a member of the Board of Ag for the department, is also a regent for Oklahoma State University, those A&M colleges. And so depending on the day, you've got to kind of pivot your mindset and your thoughts
thoughts uh, <laughs> to address whatever the topic is of the day. But the reason I think someone had a lot of foresight is that ag gets to have a voice at all of those tables. And at this day and time, when we've got a lot of folks that don't have much uh, firsthand ag experience, it's wonderful, I think, from an ag producer's perspective to know that over time, there'll always be someone with an ag voice in those discussions and bringing forward things that are important to rural folks and to ag producers. Our uh, governor obviously brings a different mindset to that uh, to that uh, office. You know, he is a, a businessman. I think really, first of all, uh, ran as a businessman, ran as someone who hadn't been a career politician with uh, ideas to try to, as you mentioned, the, the top 10 concept that he that he brought forward and campaigned on. What's it been like to work for Kevin Stitt? We all sprint every day, um, every day, which is a great thing. You know, I think we all are very much driven to have goals for our cabinet and for the agencies that fall under those particular cabinet areas, but to have some measurable results from state government. And I think that's something as citizens that they want to see and they expect to see from state government. And the governor is a tremendous leader. He has put a fabulous team together from his his staff to other cabinet members. And I think certainly a really exciting thing is when we have cabinet meetings, you can just kind of see the enthusiasm just kind of in the air because you're talking to these cabinet members who are talking about changes they've made or improvements they made, and they're really seeing um, some efficiencies happening um, in state government. And so at a time when we all kind of came in and there was maybe a little bit of a morale issue among state employees, probably when everybody got started in January of this year. I think we see that improving just in this short time period. I think the governor has done a wonderful job uh, developing a good relationship uh, with the legislature, and that's certainly um, important, certainly important to an agency that's an appropriated state agency. And just the thought that we all need to work together as a team, We represent all 4 million Oklahomans and want to make decisions that are not good for just one sector, but before everyone who lives in the state. And I think we're seeing that not only in words, but in actions and decisions that are being made. And that certainly makes me proud to work for the governor, uh, but also proud to be a state employee as well. Let's talk a little bit about uh, those, uh, those early days. As you walked in, what did you find? You know, you you obviously had some institutional knowledge from your previous years uh, under uh, Secretary Reese and and Secretary Peach, but but, uh, you walk in, you're now the the leader of the agency as, as secretary and the president of the board. Anything really surprised you? Were there some things maybe shocked you a little bit? Well, I know I I laugh sometimes because having worked previously for the two gentlemen that got to make all the decisions, I always thought to myself, if I ever had the chance (laughs) to make the decisions, this is what I would do. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what you think. And then when you get there, not everything's quite as easy or maybe quite as black and white as you might have envisioned. I'll I'll certainly say from the department's perspective and employee perspective, and, and a lot of that had to do with several down years in the state budget and in the economy. Just kind of a really morale is probably the best way to address that just from employees perspective. And so we've certainly tried to do some things to build that morale here at the department and tell people we're glad you work here. The work that you do is incredibly important uh, to producers, but just to all Oklahomans in general. And we've got some fabulous staff. And so um, I, I think I probably having been gone for a while was a little bit surprised that folks 
were just kind of frustrated. Frustrated maybe mm-hmm. is a good word too. Right. But I think we've seen, certainly under the governor's leadership, a lot of change um, and a lot of enthusiasm that has come. And we're working uh, slowly but surely to address some issues that are very important to employees as far as getting some new vehicles out uh, to our inspectors who spend a lot of time um, out in very rural parts of the state and making sure all of our folks have the resources that they need from our forestry division uh, to our laboratory. We've gotten a lot of equipment into the lab so that they can do a better job to respond to our customers. And so can't address all of those, you know, in the first budget cycle, but we're putting a plan together. You know, you got to have a plan to achieve any type of goal. So putting mm-hmm. a plan together and slowly um, trying to address those most high priority areas um, and then just chisel a little bit away at a time so that I, I think for employees to do a good job, they've got to have the resources that they need. And so we're doing our very best to um, address those resource needs throughout the divisions. I think what the, the breadth, the, the just the incredible variety of things that the Department of Ag is responsible for, the, the inspections of, of what weights and measures and what of uh, gas, gasoline stations and and all those kind of things, the forestry you mentioned, just it, it's incredible, isn't it? You know, it really is incredible because uh, when people think Department of Ag, they probably think maybe about livestock. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe about wheat or those kind of things. But, um, you know, we just, the variety of divisions that we have, that we have um, our forestry division that responds to wildlife fire in all 77 counties. Um, I always enjoy just the variety of the skill set of our staff, you know, because we may have a forest ranger who has a very specific skill set, incredibly passionate about the work that they do. And then we have a chemist, you know, who works in our laboratory doing uh, feed seed fertilizer samples on a regular basis, or uh, Wade who works in the germination lab, and he has a very specific skill set. And then we have veterinarians, we have attorneys, Uh, And then our market development group is, you know, they're out there promoting. They don't have regulatory function, so they're out there promoting ag products. And so just the diversity within the skill sets that we have as far as employees because of um, all of our responsibilities here at the department is very unique. But they're also everyone is very, very knowledgeable about what they do and why that's important and why that work is important. So every day is different. I certainly learn something new almost every day, even though I've worked here previously, which which is a great thing. And our, our folks, if it's one of our dairy inspectors who's, you know, out there taking milk samples, they're just as passionate about the work they do as our ag investigators who, you know, address cattle theft issues. So you see just that similar vein of kind of passion for the work that they do and why that's important. And that makes me very proud to work with all of them. That uh, cattle theft, the uh, folks you've got in that particular part of, of the department, that that's a really an interesting area. I know that a lot of folks are pretty fascinated with the idea that we're still out there trying to, uh, to chase down cattle thieves, uh, rustlers. It certainly is a very unique division. Michael Hooper is a new uh, chief of that division. Uh, Jerry Flowers, a former chief, retired this year. And so Michael Hooper was one of our investigators who now is a chief investigator for that division. But, you know, we've got those um, nine total investigators spread out across the state of Oklahoma. And when people have cattle theft issue is usually most of the calls that come in, but also ag equipment. Those investigators work with local law enforcement. Uh, they all have uh, extensive law enforcement background. 
but sometimes on the priority list within local law enforcement, cattle theft maybe doesn't rank as high, understandably, as some mm-hmm. other priorities. And so our guys do a tremendous job of uh, usually recovering uh, those lost and stolen animals and getting those back to those producers. And that's incredibly important. That's um, how our producers pay their bills and put groceries on their table. And uh, we still have a lot of that going on. Um, and certainly, depending on the part of the state that you live in and um, issues that may be in that particular area um, of the state, we may have more of that. Because if you can figure out how to go load up a couple cows from the neighbor's pasture and take them to the sale barn, that's a pretty quick uh, return, yeah, uh, really. cash return. Um, until you get caught. Yeah. Until you get caught. It's, it's certainly not worth it. But that's why we're very proud to have those guys doing the work that they're doing. Kind of along those uh, general lines, uh, animal ID is a, one of those topics out in the country that uh, generates a lot of passion. <laughs> and I know that uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Rod Hall, our, our uh, state chief veterinarian, he has uh, kind of been involved and in kind of maybe the point person in that, that regard uh, for, for the Oklahoma Department of Ag. Uh, where are we? Are we, are we going to be able to, to satisfy everybody on the animal ID issue? You know, I will not even pretend, Ron, that we'll be able to satisfy everybody um, on an issue as tricky as that one. Um, I I joke a lot being a regulatory agency. If we've made people on both sides of the issue unhappy, then maybe we're at the place that we're supposed to be. That in in Oklahoma and uh, cattle producers, Oklahomans are very conservative as a general rule. And um, cattle producers are very independent um, as a general rule. And we certainly approach the um, idea traceability issue from an animal health perspective. Uh, Dr. Rod Hall as our state veterinarian is in charge of the herd health of the state and here in Oklahoma we have a lot of animals be they um, hogs or cattle or goats or sheep or chickens that move in and out of our state pretty frequently and uh, monitoring disease and the herd health of the state is is a priority for us. I think with getting the right folks together at the table, um, having some good conversations about a path forward, what makes sense uh, for everyone. We can get uh, to where we need to be on the issue. We're currently uh, participating in the Cattle Trace Project, uh, partnering uh, with the Kansas Department of Ag and the folks there at Cattle Trace to track some of these uh, ultra-high frequency RFID tags and see how that works. There's certainly, we have a lot of traceability in place with our CVIs that we have right now, uh, but we also know that we can always do a better job um, and there's always opportunities for us to learn how we can do that i know one of the uh one of the things that you've had to deal with since you became uh, the uh, state secretary of agriculture a kind of a something kind of left over from uh from the previous administration uh, some of these rules regarding poultry uh in the in the northeastern part of the state primarily and one of those cases where agriculture kind of interacting with their neighbors uh, it certainly is. That uh, that situation, um, I would say, was pretty volatile uh, when I arrived here mm-hmm. in January. And understandably, people very, very passionate on both sides of that issue. Um, and I understand the passion uh, that comes from both, of, both sides of that issue. We certainly think the Board of Ag uh, found a reasonable place to do with implementing some setbacks uh, for new poultry operations as they come in um, to areas. I was actually out just 
this week um, on Monday uh, talking to um, some more citizen type groups um, in that particular area about um, how things were going, talking to them about their concerns. Um, those are challenging issues as ag interfaces uh, with the public, uh, depending on, I, and I think we'll probably see more of that as uh, ag, uh, conti- as we have probably less people who have familiarity with ag. I, I tell people sometimes we, we all like to eat, so 100% of us eat, but only 2% of us are involved in production agriculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so many generations away from um, how we uh, raise our food and our fiber. Uh, but we all want to strive to be good neighbors. And I think that's important to all of us, uh, whether you live in town or in the country. Everybody can do a good job of being a good neighbor. And I think we have come to a place uh, that is um, good in that situation. I I will not pretend that everybody's 110% happy. Um, I think that would be foolish to say that that was the case. But uh, we will continue uh, to listen to concerns uh, from folks from both sides of that issue and um, hopefully move forward in a way that is good for economic development and ag production, but also for the citizens that live in all parts of the state. You utter the kind of the magic word for the state administration economic development how does that how, how do we how do we succeed with that particular uh, topic uh, in rural Oklahoma well I think we're certainly better positioned to do that right now than we ever have been um, and I want to give a lot of credit to uh, Secretary Copeland as well as Brent Kissling there at the Department of Commerce uh, two gentlemen who both have ag backgrounds who have ag econ degrees from Oklahoma State University uh, so they understand the importance of agriculture but they certainly both understand economic development and then the piece of it that's so important to so many of us and that's rural economic development um, I think we've seen more partnerships and conversations between the Department of Agriculture and the Department of Commerce uh, just in this short time than we had had historically. No fault of anyone's. I just don't think there was a direction to collaborate across state agency and collaborate uh, specifically on some of those efforts. I'm very excited about that uh, continued partnership and just a regular dialogue that we have um, on a lot of issues that I can pick up the phone and call Brent or call Secretary Copeland and say, we've got some folks that want to do X, Y, Can you all have staff work with them? Can I be a part of that? What do we need to do to make that happen? And um, they are movers and shakers uh, and decision makers. (laughs) And um, I think we'll see a lot of really good things come out of um, the continued collaboration and partnerships. I guess one of those uh, almost incubator type programs that we've got within uh, the Oklahoma Department of Ag is the Made in Oklahoma program. That, that kind of goes along that idea of trying to add value to uh, to our ag products. Absolutely. You know, we grow so many great commodities here in Oklahoma, and historically we ship them everywhere else to be processed. Mm-hmm. Why don't we process them here in Oklahoma? We've been asking that question kind of over and over, and people like Made in Oklahoma products. I say a lot when I speak to groups that I'm the primary grocery purchaser in our house, and if I see two Two products on a shelf, and I know that one's a Made in Oklahoma product, I'm going to choose that Made in Oklahoma product over the other product, and I probably will even pay more for that product. Uh, so from the department's perspective, we're doing a lot just to create brand awareness for the Made in Oklahoma program, certainly through uh, the store that we have at the State Fair there in Oklahoma City, and then this year for the first time ever, we have the Made in Okay Cafe uh, at the Tulsa State Fair, which will have all Made in Oklahoma products 
products there uh, for that crowd to come through and familiarize themselves uh, with that. So that's during fair time of the year. Uh, But on kind of a daily basis, we've got staff here and have hired additional staff for the Maiden Oklahoma program uh, to really expand that effort, kind of revitalize it. We're working on a total website revamp because I think that can bring real dollars relatively quickly to our producers here in Oklahoma, no matter where you live in the state. And I think it's a great time because people care now more than ever about where their food's grown, Mm -hmm. how it's produced, who is producing it. And so I think we've got some good momentum to really make a big push in the Maiden, Oklahoma area. Where in the world of agriculture in the state of Oklahoma, where do we have the best opportunities to uh, really make some, some big leaps forward, do you think? I believe there's a lot of opportunity in the wheat industry. We've had lots of conversations, uh, certainly uh, with Mike Schulte and the Wheat Commission about uh, some niche markets uh, that I think they're working uh, towards capitalizing on, and we certainly want to support those efforts as well. But also, too, in the beef industry, there's there's some ways I think that we can, you know, we've got Oklahoma State University that has done a great job at FAPC uh, with a lot of products. And, you know, you can find the steak that was uh, developed there at FAPSI on campus at Oklahoma State. You can find that in restaurants. And so it's really focusing on what consumers want mm-hmm. and finding those niche areas and then positioning ourselves to meet that need. And I, and I think we're seeing a nice turn uh, on the ag side of things, whereas once upon a time, I think we said, this is what we have produced for you all as consumers. You just need to eat it. You know, I think I think that's once upon a time that was a thought. And now I think we're engaging a lot more with the consumers. Mm-hmm. What do you want um, in a product? What's important to you? Um, you know, when we have uh, dietitian type folks that are talking to consumers um, about the nutritional value of our products, I think that's a great dialogue that we have going um, and lots of opportunity to profit off of that, I think. And that's ultimately what we want is more dollars for our producers um, if we keep working uh, together towards those efforts. Where does uh, Department of Ag fit into this uh, top 10 conversation, you think? Well, you know, I, I joke with the governor that we're already top 10 in a lot of things in ag. So, you know, I checked a lot of those boxes uh, when I first started. But, you know, typically Oklahoma um, is an ag and energy state. Uh, I think we have are starting to reimagine ourselves as a state, which is wonderful with aerospace and tourism. You hear Lieutenant Governor Pinnell really focusing on the tourism and Route 66 and all that value uh, that the state brings to people who live Mm -hmm. here. But from the ag side of thing, we are constantly growing new products. You know, that's the that's why I think so many of us in production ag love it because you you know, we've got wheat that's gone in the ground or going in the ground and about June of next year we have this wonderful product that we've taken care of and we've watched grow, but you actually visibly and physically mm-hmm. if it's new calves being born if it's piglets whatever it might be we get to we actually are adding new we're taking these natural resources adding new dollars to the state's economy as opposed to passing other dollars around we can actually we grow money when you think about it in that way and so i think that's why we're such a huge part of the top 10 conversation because We can add new dollars to the economy, and we also have the ability for producers uh, to 
pivot and diversify their operations or add an agritourism operation to it. So there's there's also ways for us to generate additional income for the state and really help move us forward. You mentioned agritourism. I mean, this is something that uh, uh, you're obviously producing products, at that new wealth that you're talking about uh, within our agriculture operations, our farms or ranches, but you can also share the experience through agritourism. Absolutely. You know, agritourism, and you'll you'll certainly hear Lieutenant Governor Pinnell probably mm-hmm. mention agritourism, and we love the attention that we're getting from him in that area. But agritourism is really twofold, I believe, for producers. Number one, it's bringing additional dollars to the farm gate, and that's incredibly important. You know, it's diversifying that operation and people that will actually pay to go out and do some of these things. You know, my kids get tickled sometimes because they're like, Mom, do you know people actually pay like to clean stalls? Do you know (laughs) somebody really wants to go do that? But people love that because they don't have the firsthand experience. But then I think agritourism is also a wonderful tool to pair with our ag in the classroom efforts because it gives us a chance to educate consumers about what we do and really tell them about uh, if it's how a crop's grown or how livestock is being produced. So it's they're paying for that experience. And we certainly have a dynamic of consumers that love an experience. You know, they they want to pay for that experience. Uh, but then we also get a chance to educate them. Uh, they get to meet real life producers. Um, and so it's a twofold way of generating some income, but also educating the general public about the work that we do. One last question. As far as, you know, when you look out uh, over the, the next couple of years, you've got uh, not quite a year under your belt as Secretary of Agriculture. What do you want to to accomplish uh, through this first term of the uh, the Stitt uh, governorship? Well, there's, there's a long list, but I certainly want to help producers be more successful in their operations. Um, and that's probably an interesting statement from someone who's head of a regulatory agency. But I think there's a lot of things that we can do to be better government, uh, to help them promote their products, uh, promote their operations. Certainly our market development division plays a big piece in that. But uh, we have to, as a department and certainly in my capacity, we have to be the voice for our ag producers. Uh, we have to be the champion uh, for agriculture here in the state um, and across the U.S. And so I hope that we can uh, find more and more ways to help producers be successful, help them to stay in their operations, help with rural development, rural economic development issues. And so there's lots of pieces to make that happen. But um, I have a lot of times people say, you know, what does success look like to you? And from my perspective in this position, success is when we continue to have a thriving ag industry, a thriving rural Oklahoma, which in turn means uh, that we're helping us be a thriving state and a top 10 state. So lots of work to do and lots of pieces of how to make that happen. But I certainly think under the governor's leadership, we're headed that direction. um, And we've got a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of really good people in state government who can help us um, get that direction. Blaine, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Blaine Arthur, our Oklahoma Secretary of Agriculture, on our road to rural prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. 
The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and OklahomaFarmReport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the Funk Companies.